definitely a risk that they highlight in their prospectus. He wants to win in all of these three uh, verticals. And one of the ways to actually get um, as much market share and can't be shy in your spending if you want to um, secure that, that turf. Hello, I'm Noel Lim on ASEAN Speaks. The Fed has indicated it will pursue a more aggressive monetary policy tightening, which can have repercussions on the valuation of technology stocks. How would this in turn affect tech stocks listed in Singapore? Hardware manufacturers AEM and UMS have rallied to a new high about two months ago. Do they still have legs and what is the risk of a semiconductor glut? I speak to research analyst Lai Jin Lee for his perspective. We also discuss C-Limited, the owner of Shopee. Jean, how do you expect technology stocks in Singapore will fare this year? Okay, so overall, um, in our Singapore tech coverage, we cover a bunch of uh, tech hardware stocks as, and, uh, as well as one internet stock. So um, to the narrative that, you know, uh, we might be seeing a more hawkish monetary policy environment and to that, and, and as a result of that, you know, we might see a rotation from richly valued growth stocks to more value style uh, old economy stocks. We think you know, this narrative would apply more to C Limited uh, simply because C is still loss making. Um, but beyond the kind of normal market volatility, we, we really don't see this narrative uh, applying to the rest of our tech hardware coverage. Um, so all in all, you know, we, we think that uh, for our tech hardware coverage for the stocks that have good growth catalysts and uh, reasonable valuations, uh, we think that they should continue to do pretty well uh, this year. And in particular, for some of our tech um, hardware uh, coverage, they, their, their valuations are rather undemanding, trading around like low teens uh, PE on FY22. And some of them, especially in the upstream uh, side of things, uh, being the companies that are involved in um, the semicon uh, equipment supply chain, uh, some of them actually have uh, pretty good growth prospects uh, this year. Why are their valuations undemanding? Uh, valuations undemanding. I would say partially there's been a little bit of a pullback in terms of share price in the past few weeks or so. That's probably number one. Uh, number two was also, I think, depending on some of the uh, one or two of the companies, uh, we may have, in a sense, uh, uh, increased our estimates on FY22 over the past results season. Singapore tech hardware valuations tend to uh, be either in line or maybe a slight discount uh, to global. And, and so I think for the most part, and, and really as a generalization, uh, mid-teens kind of um, valuation or maybe just slightly above mid-teens tend to be what we associate as cycle peak uh, valuations, which is really quite unlike uh, uh, Malaysian valuations, which can be quite a fair bit higher. I'm trying to understand the behaviour of Singapore investors. It seems to me it's not difficult to sell a tech story, but why is there a gap and the market is not quickly pricing in catalysts in Singapore? In particular, for some of uh, these tech stocks that we look at, um, and I would narrow this down to AM and UMS, you know, they have done pretty well over the past few months. And uh, because the market sentiment is not very strong right now, so I wouldn't rule out that there are some uh, investors or even traders, you know, taking some money off the table. And then uh, perhaps when uh, uh, they see that based on how they perceive it, uh, uh, that the events or, or rather things have trapped, uh, then maybe you know, they might start to enter again and then probably that is what leads to the next wave. You're positive on the hardware makers like UMS and AEM. What are your assumptions supporting their earnings growth? The backdrop uh, for semiconductor equipment spending continues to be very favorable. So uh, in the front end, you know, we expect TSMC's 30% growth in CAPEX 
as well as Intel's 40% growth in CAPEX in, in 2022, we really translate quite well to, to the companies that we look at like uh, UMS and Franken. And on the other hand, we, we also expect AM to be a beneficiary of new generation equipment for um, its key customer, Intel, uh, in 2022. And also in future years as well. And we also see AM as a beneficiary of uh, Intel's projected uh, 10 billion spend in, in Penang. And I think one of the drivers that should kick in in, 20, kick in, in 2022 uh, in a more material fashion than in previous years would be contributions from new customers as well. So collectively, I think these would be what's uh, supporting uh, the growth of you know, some of these companies that we're looking at um, that are exposed to the semicon equipment uh, side of things. I'm reading headlines that there may be a semiconductor glut in 2023 or 2024. What are your industry sources telling you of a likelihood of a glut? And would chip shortages start to ease in second half of this year? Rather broad consensus, if you put it that way, is, is that a lot of people expect chip shortages to last at least into the second half of 2022. So as such, I don't think that um, there could be or, or there should be uh, a, 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 a glut, a semiconductor glut uh, this year. Whereas, you know, could there be um, a glut coming in 2023 or 2024? I think that's a possibility, although we would want to um, sort of monitor this uh, uh, event a little more closely. And I think that the whole idea of why 2023 is sort of the time frame we, we start thinking about a glut because I think there will be new capacity coming on stream. And there's also a concern right now, which I believe not a lot of people are, or hardly anybody is able to, to know with any degree of accuracy, which is that, um, you know, how much of double ordering uh, uh, there is at the end of the cycle, if we have um, too much inventories um, and then we've got too much capacity as well, that's the recipe for the glut. Some of these unknown factors, it's probably a little bit hard to quantify at which juncture with a, any degree of accuracy, you know, when the glut will come. But I think 2023, 2024, uh, there is that possibility. If there is excess capacity in 2023, how will this affect UMS and AEM? So um, the I will maybe start up with uh, AM first. Sorry, I will start with UMS first. Um, if there is a glut in 2023, uh, then it might be the case that you know capex, uh, semiconductor capex, uh, might be dialed back, and that would not translate uh, very favorably for UMS's key customer. In this case, it's applied materials. Um, so in which case, then that's how it's going to flow to UMS uh, that, that, you know, it's, it may uh, create a scenario where 2023 earnings would be less than 2022. Uh, one of the mitigating factors we are hoping that could take place is that if there's a new customer, so UMS is expected to complete their new plant uh, in Penang um, in the third quarter of 2022. Right now, we think that this plant is largely catering for a new customer. And then um, it's, it's hope, uh, we hope that, you know, if the new, new customer comes in uh, on time, you know, then perhaps that could moderate cyclicality effects. Uh, on the part of Franken, you know, the same uh, logic applies. If there is a peak in semiconductor KPEX um, at some point, then it, it just results in a semicon cyclicality. So this is where, in a sense, Franken is has some form of advantage over UMS because frankly it's a lot more diversified and then hopefully some of the other segments can take over that growth baton from um, Franklin's own semicon side of things. 
But since we're discussing about Franken, I'd like to just also point out that, you know, what we've been hearing from the company is, is that based on their current visibility, they expect um, the outlook for Semicon uh, equipment to be rather strong, both in 2022 and in 2023. And now back to AEM, because AEM's revenues are so closely tied to Intel's uh, spending specifically in terms of um, tests. So we still probably have to see um, what is Intel's um, own plans, uh, spending plans in 2023. Um, and, and in that sense, maybe it, uh, AM's earning cycle may not be tied uh, as closely as, as, as overall um, uh, global sort of semicon capex, uh, but more idiosyncratic towards what uh, Intel is planning for for uh, you know for their own uh, test budgets. What do we know about Intel's plans for AEM? For one, um, Intel seems to be really focusing a lot on um, heterogeneous packaging, and uh, one of the things that AEM is really good at is in the area of system level test. And the whole idea here is that with heterogeneous packaging, um, you know the, the requirements for system level tests uh, really does uh, increase. And with uh, Intel's new uh, chips, um, being Sapphire Rapids and Elder Lake, you know, these are Intel's first uh, mass-produced heterogeneous package chips. Heterogeneous packaging, or I'll just maybe uh, uh, call it advanced packaging, used to be something that was probably a little bit more low volume at Intel. Now they're, they're making it a core offering uh, or bringing that technology to their core products. Um, so, so we think that AAM is going to benefit from that. Um, the next thing also is that uh, we think we see some of this sort of being translated into um, the uh, their spending plans. So, you know, the 10 billion spent in Penang is largely to increase uh, assembly and test capabilities. And so uh, I would think that uh, this is to cater towards um, uh, building their capacity and capability in terms of heterogeneous packaging on the assembly front. And then also uh, uh, to also beef out the capabilities and the capacity post-assembly and onto the test side of things as well. So that's probably how I will read things. Um, also that uh, Intel is also relying on TSMC for you know, some of the chiplets going forward. And then, uh, so you think that TSMC has their own uh, uh, chiplet technology, Intel has, their own uh, chiplet technology. So when you put these things together, I think you're, um, you probably need to put in um, a higher degree of, of, of test just to make sure that you know, the product comes up pretty reliable. Uh, it should be on balance positive towards AM. Why are you less positive on the contract manufacturers, Valutronics and Venture? I think it's largely simply because you know, we are probably in a... Uh, market climate where um, and these guys still face some degree of earnings uncertainty uh, with regards to you know still lingering chip shortage. If they can't get the chips that are needed to, to complete the entire product, so it doesn't really matter if you know it's 90% complete, if you can't get the balance 10% of the required components, uh, you can't ship things out the door. And if you can't ship things out the door, you can't book all these things into revenue enhanced earnings. I'd like to get your views about China's dual strategy of self-sufficiency. Longer term, how does this affect Singapore tech companies under your coverage? A lot of companies that we cover are manufacturing companies and given a long enough time frame, um, they will try and respond and adapt to these changes. 
For example, uh, Valuetronics, they had a lot of their production footprint in China. And now um, having a large part of their allocation for the US geography uh, being uh, sort of lost as a result of the uh, US-China trade war, they are building a plant to uh, in Vietnam to rebuild that revenue base. And so going forward, um, where, where we do see or how we do see them grow would be, you know, Vietnam will be purposed for the international uh, markets, whereas, you know, their China capacity will be to cater for uh, the domestic uh, demand. So, so that's how they're adapting. And the reason why I specify that, you know, uh, the manufacturers that we cover, it's very likely that they can adapt. Uh, it's also because, like, you know, these guys are... Uh, really prioritize their customers. And in, in that regard, a lot of their customers are also the sector leaders, the blue chip companies and the product leaders uh, in their fields. So in, in that regard, uh, you know, they probably are constantly uh, sussing out what's going on with the world and whether they have to, to, to adapt. And then um, the suppliers would probably want to try and adapt with these customers uh, as well. So when we talk about the long run, then I would assume um, that factors enough time for everybody to, to, to uh, adapt alongside. Why Vietnam and not Malaysia? I think so. In the case of uh, Valuetronics, it's largely due to logistics because you know their factories are happen to already be in South China. So um, uh, Vietnam is is relatively, especially the north of Vietnam, is is relatively close. Uh, it depends on what, how uh, each of the company or their customers decide to shift the supply chain. Some are actually going towards Malaysia. Some are going towards Indonesia. Some are going towards Thailand. Um, so it really, really becomes rather company specific uh, or rather to the idiosyncratic needs of uh, the company and the customers. I would like to talk about Sea Limited. It's a apparent favourite because it's a Southeast Asian digital champion in high growth domains like gaming, e-commerce and financial services. And the, uh, and the fact that, uh, and also what makes it interesting is that um, China's crackdown does not affect them because they are primarily in Southeast Asia. However, when do you expect they will start making money as a group? Uh, we are expecting at least in the next two to three years that, that sh- they should be able to start making, um, uh, or should start being able to turn a profit. The investments uh, that they put in is, is largely to grow um, the the domains that they want to grow, for instance, like growing Shopee as well as growing C-Money, the digital finance side. And a lot of investments that they have to put in happen to surface up on the PL. Um, so that's the, the reason why, in a sense, um, they are still uh, incurring losses. And in, in also in, in that vein and in that fashion, uh, alongside the street, have been notorious in underestimating um, uh, the amount of investments needed uh, by C uh, to, to grow the kind of um, markets and businesses that they want to grow. And, but, you know, um, in the prospectus, uh, C has actually very clearly stated that uh, they might actually never turn a profit. And, and also, if you, if you watch the way they behave, uh, they are not the type that, you know, just because you want to turn a profit, uh, you, you switch off your spending. Um, and, and sacrifice future growth, but they, they, send, they tend to be the otherwise, you know, they, they tend to spend all they need uh, in order to secure a foothold. Investors are bullish on C despite the prospect of not making money. Um, are we getting ahead of ourselves? Uh, you know, it, it is definitely a risk that they highlight in their prospectus. 
and we definitely we do see a risk that you know uh, this could be delayed but ultimately um, we do see them wanting to turn a, a profit um, in the, on the gaming side of things uh, it's actually a very cash flow generative side uh, of the business and a lot of that proceeds are being used to fund the growth in um, Shopee as well as in digital finance. And so the idea is that because C um, wants to win in all of these three uh, verticals and one of the ways to actually get um, as much market share and, and basically to claim your turf is, is by spending. So, so you um, and maybe that, or rather the way we see it is that they're taking a stance that you can't be shy in your spending if you want to um, um, secure that, that turf. And once you secure that turf, what they want to try and do probably is to try and make the customers more sticky. And then um, once they see uh, the kind of retention that they want um, and, and the kind of ecosystem built, that's probably when they might start to see it more sustainable to, to, to focus on the profitability metric. Uh, but until then, probably if you want to try and turn a profit, uh, you might actually seed a share or you might open yourself um, to the vulnerability of someone with a much bigger spending appetite overtaking your position and eating into your turf. So I think that's probably what C is thinking about. Thank you for speaking to me, Lai Jin Lee, analyst at the Maybank research team in Singapore. To get the reports on the stocks mentioned, speak to your trading rep and check out Market Insights on the Maybank trade app. I'm Noel Limon, ASEAN Speaks for Maybank IPG. 